Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Christine Speck, who is the CEO of Cousin Subs, which is a company with more than 100 locations in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana. And in her role as CEO, Christine has done some incredible things, including a massive rebranding effort, implementing grills across all locations of all the restaurants, and also really building that franchise system because they are about 25% store-owned and 75% franchises. And all these things have been done to grow the company and set up for success in the future. And in this episode, we go through that franchise model, also what it takes to be a leader of all these different stores and how she manages that, as well as how she actually has positioned this company for success in the future, how she looks at her day-to-day to ensure she is being the most productive she can, and so much more. As always, the show notes are justgogrind.com slash podcast, and please, please support the show and Apple Podcasts by leaving a rating and review. And without further ado, here is Christine Speck, the CEO of Cousins Subs. Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Justin. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, and I have uh, eaten at Cousin Subs in Milwaukee uh, when I was growing up for many, many years. So it's going to be a fun conversation to have. And where I want to start with is what was your early, early experience like working with Cousin Subs? Obviously, it's family business. Right. It is a family business. So it was really part of my life growing up. Uh, my first job was, of course, at Cousin Subs. So I couldn't wait to start as a cashier <laughs> when I was 15 and a little scared, and but excited as well because I could make my own money. And uh, and work, and I thought that was a lot of fun, and it's uh, it's been you know part of just me, I guess my entire life. So I've really um, have carried it through in one way or the other, right? So maybe just as a cashier when I was a kid, uh, but even when I wasn't working at the company, certainly it was part of my identity. And now having been part of the company uh, as a career choice since two thousand and one, it's it's been with me every single day. Yeah. And how did you decide to come back to the company to work full-time at Cousins Subs again? Right. I decided to come back to Cousins in 2001 when they were formalizing uh, their human resources department. So prior to that, the HR function was really broken up amongst the various departments. At the same time, I finished grad school and I was working at in Madison for the state of Wisconsin uh, you know, in a field not related to restaurants or sub sandwiches. I have a master's degree in public administration. So when I landed my job in Madison as a legislative analyst, it was really, uh, it was good work. I enjoyed it. But then just uh, my parents and I were talking and they made me aware of this human resources uh, opening at the corporate office. And so uh, we talked about that that might be a great time to come back to the family business I was looking to move back to Milwaukee anyway, and yeah. it seemed like a it seemed like a good fit. And I, by happenstance, had internships uh, and had some HR experience with uh, with my while I was in grad school. So it seemed like it was you know it was the time to come back to the family business. Yeah, and that was two thousand and one, and then two thousand and fifteen. Fast forwarding a few years there, you took over as president and CEO uh, in March two thousand fifteen. Then how that progression to that point? Did you think you'd be around that long to continue on? Like, I'm just curious how you got there. Not necessarily. It was never a dinner time conversation with my family to say, you know, like one day, Christine, you're going to be running the company. <laughs> uh, it didn't work like that. I know some family yeah. business 
do are very, very well planned. Ours really wasn't. So even when I came back to work in HR, uh, I was really, I really enjoyed that role because for me, it was about serving others and about relationships and about people uh, and, uh, and, and how that can be a, 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 obviously the key factor in running and growing a business. So it wasn't really that thought. And then, then there were a number of things that changed uh, kind of in those mid 2000s. Uh, there were, we had two at, you know, uh, successive outside presidents and, and that wasn't really working. So in 2008, actually, my dad, uh, you know, parted ways with the, with the then president and then named me the president. And I was that, I had that role, but then in, as you noted, in March of 2015, became the CEO and president, uh, you know, but had been running the company, you know, really since 2000, 2008. So, um, but you know, and, and it's, it was a situation where I presented a case to my dad back in 2008 just saying, you know, I think that here's kind of my view of the company. Here's where I think our challenges are. Here's where opportunities lie. And here's how I think I can help, uh, you know, as, as the leader of the company. And I think for the, at that moment, then as he contemplated this, I guess this white paper, if you will, uh, <laughs> that I drafted for him, it was just something that I felt you know, he thought, well, all right, you know, I, you know, he certainly trusted me, but I think maybe I was able to convince him to have the confidence in me that I could actually, you know, take that next step. So, um, yeah. and it was, yeah, it was, it's been great. Yeah. And, and I want to go through that a little bit more in 2008. So when, you know, you presented that, that to your dad and what were some of those components of what you wanted to do with the company? Because that's a pretty uh, a bold in some ways move and obviously it paid off for you, but what were some of those things that you presented? Right. You know, the company I was kind of in a, it was going a little stale, you know, at that time. Uh, I mean, we're a 47 year old company today. So, you know, yeah. back then we were nearly a 40 year company. And, you know, I felt like there wasn't a ton of direction. It was a little bit stalled in how we were growing, where we were growing, uh, in the people that we had on board. Uh, and I felt that there just seemed to be opportunities for improvement, you know, for if we wanted to continue to have Cousins grow as a family business in the future. I mean, the company had always remained profitable and it was always, you know, it was a good, good family business. But, you know, at some point you come to a crossroads and you say, all right, the, the restaurants are aging. Uh, we have not the strongest culture. You know, is this a good time to sell? Or do we really kind of hunker down and take what we need, do fix what we need to fix and really kind of take the bull by the horns and be intentional about how we're going to work the company for the future. And so just presenting some of those thoughts with him and, and talking to him, I think that he, you know, he really was, uh, it piqued his interest because I think deep down being the company that he founded with his cousin, he I think a piece of him would have been sad, you know, to just sell the company. Right. And I think he was yeah. looking for continuity that yet he didn't have the vision for the continuity. I mean, my dad's a true entrepreneur, right? I mean, he built this business. They didn't have any money when they started my parents and my, my dad's cousin and, you know, they were able to build a business and it was, they did really great things with it. Um, but I think it just took a little bit different look to now let's see how we can grow it for the next, you know, 20 or 30 years. 
Yeah, and bringing a different perspective to that is what you is what you did. It sounds like, and you know, there's a lot of different decisions that obviously needed to be to be made in the company, and you've done a few different things with with grills in a restaurant and like expanding in Chicago and other stuff like that. I mean, how how do you look at those step by step in terms of which opportunities you pursue in the last few years, looking at expansion? You know, really looking at the different things, the different components of the company, like you mentioned, grills, for example. When I, uh, when I, uh, you know, as I embraced my leadership role, we looked at all the things that were like, what is wrong with the company? Like kind of all the negatives, right? Tired and aging restaurants, not the right type of growth. Uh, we had microwaves in many of our restaurants instead of grills. And really just taking these things and saying, all right, these are things that if we could change, if we had, you know, endless money and endless resources and time, these are the things that we would change about the organization. So we listed those, prioritized them and just started and have been, you know, setting about to make, do things right, not do things that are easy and not do things that are quick fix. So like, for example, those grills, uh, Flat top grills are a key component to our um, our ability to offer grilled subs, and yeah. we had that. That was a that was a mainstay for my dad and his partner uh, as they started the business. Then we moved away from that and and had microwaves put in the restaurants uh, with uh, uh, pre cooked meat, and you know as a way to be more efficient, if you will. But then, yeah. but yet, so you sacrifice for that quality. So then. For me, one of the biggest things was let's make that right. Let's put grills in all of our restaurants. Let's help support our franchisees by offsetting some of the cost of that grill installation to help them because this was something that we were going to going to roll out system wide. And because uh, I will tell you, if you talk to my father, he would tell you one of his biggest regrets was ever putting a microwave in a restaurant. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to make that right because we always stood yeah. behind our product. There was that one area, well, yeah, but we got the microwaves, right? So I think this isn't a way to say, hey, this is what we believe is the best product. So it was just kind of setting out those priorities. Um, when it comes to the expansion, I mean, we can uh, we can kind of parse that out as you as you want. We, you know, yeah. there was the the we had restaurants. So as I assumed this leadership role, uh, we had restaurants in a number of other states, right? But they might have been like two in, like, say, Colorado or one in or two in uh, Texas, that sort of thing. So they're a little bit more spread out. And companies can certainly grow like that. It just didn't seem to be an effective growth strategy for us. So we uh, shrunk our footprint. So we really set about kind of closing those restaurants so that we were then at, at one point, then only remaining restaurants were in Wisconsin where we were our strongest, uh, both in kind of critical mass and the success of the restaurants. And then as we decided to grow, we thought, let's make sure we try to do that as contiguously as we can. So Chicago is in our backyard. Um, Chicagoans think we're probably in their backyard. (laughs) You know, we look at it and think, Hey, I think, the people of the Chicagoland area could really appreciate this. Um, Many have known or they know cousins. Uh, So, you know, kind of getting into that Chicago market was something we felt was very important. And then as it turns out, there was a a franchise, uh, two franchisees, they are brothers uh, who said, Hey, we know and live in the Chicagoland region and we want to bring cousins to Chicago. So that's really how they came about. 
Yeah, and even with the franchisees in the first place, I mean, how long has that has it always been a franchise? How many are you know store owned versus franchise? Just a general idea of of that because it can be really challenging with the franchisees. Yeah, and, and again, it's much like hiring employees when you're selecting your business partners because they are investing in your brand. You want to make sure you have the right the right investors. So, um, of our hundred or so restaurants, uh, it's about twenty five percent of them are company owned and 75% are franchised. We were always company owned up until about the 90s. And then that's when franchising, uh, we opened up franchising at Cousins. And our first franchisee is still with us today. He's been, he's had a great, he's built a great business for him and his family. And uh, and we've had many franchisees uh, find success and, uh, and kind of throughout the years. So we continue to move kind of on a, a dual approach. So we'll continue to grow company restaurants. Now, whether that's purchasing existing cousins restaurants from people that may want to get out for any reason, right? Maybe they're moving, maybe they're retiring. And then we'll continue to look for new franchise operators who want to expand the brand into new markets. Yeah. And with the franchises too, I mean, we actually, it's funny, we just kind of went through this in one of my classes at USC for the MBA program about franchising and it was related to uh, Pure Bar and the challenges and everything with that. How do you roll out new changes with all these, you know, 75%, so let's say 75 franchise stores, how do you roll out new changes and get the buy-in then from these franchisees? Yeah. And that's in, you hit the nail on the head because you really do need to get buy-in from your franchise community. Uh, you can't, uh, companies can, and they do forcibly say, we're doing this and we don't care what you think. But for us, we really try to take more of a collaborative approach. Now, maybe it's because of our size. We don't have the luxury of, you know, just having a, having a strong kind of the strong arm approach. So we really, but, but at the end of the day, we feel it's the right way to do is if we want to maximize franchisee relations and we want to help them be as successful as we can set them up in a good position. And then, you know, the rest is up to them. So we really try to be transparent in our approach. So we have what's called the Franchise Advisory Council. That's that's a council that is made up by the franchisee leadership. They're you know elected or appointed by their franchise community, and they meet with us, the leadership team, on a, about a quarterly basis. And we talk about the issues. We talk about things that we would like to do, things that you know initiatives that are coming up, and we listen to them, uh, you know, intently about things that are on their mind or what's challenging for them as they run their business. So really try to be collaborative and transparent. And, and I know those words are overused a lot, but it's, but it's, <laughs> it's really how we're trying to do and, and work with them. And, and it's, it's very, um, it's very honest and open. And I think that has helped over the years in strengthening those franchisee relations. You know, they are, they are business owners, they are investors they have opinions. They're not just going to accept everything they hear at face value. You need to prove to them. You need to provide the data. You need to you need to show them. You need to uh, be in, be smart about how you're rolling things out. And and uh, and you know then then they then they can go along with it. We also involve them on things like task forces. So whether that's our menu innovation, whether it's when we're rolling out a new point of sale system, uh, we invite franchisees to be part of these. Uh, these task forces so that they feel that they have a voice and that they are being represented. Uh, And so also so that we are not, um, you know, too narrow in our thinking, right? Uh, It's easy to make decisions in a, in a, uh, it's easy to make decisions in a conference room, how it applies to actual restaurants 
uh, could look very different. So we have to be very mindful of that. Yeah, oh, of course. And then looking at even expanding with these franchises, I mean, how do you look at how does that kind of work with expanding through franchising? A lot of the individuals that come to us and contact our director of franchise sales will not have some familiarity with the brand. Uh, they Maybe they have a relative that was a franchisee or is a franchisee. That's the case of our the two brothers in the Chicagoland area. Their uncle is a, has been a longtime franchisee. Um, uh, two of their uncles actually have been longtime franchisees of cousins. So I think that they knew about the business. Um, a lot of people are uh, familiar with the brand. They've tasted the brand. Maybe they're from Wisconsin and they live somewhere else now and they miss cousins. Uh, you know, we get that a lot on the consumer end. Uh, people wanting to have us ship their subs on dry ice, um, you know, and things like that. So, <laughs> you know, these folks take it one step further and, you know, they say, well, hey, maybe, you know, we can bring the brand to this area. Um, you know, and we carefully look at all those opportunities. And then other times it's they don't know really about the brand, right? They might have seen advertisements. Maybe they heard a presentation that I or somebody else on my team is given just talking about the brand or have seen you know, our name in trade magazines, things like that, and think, hey, you know, the sandwich, uh, the sandwich segment is hot still. And, you know, and yet there's a lot of, um, and there's opportunities for cousins to continue to grow that, whereas some concepts, you know, might be tapped out, they may not have opportunities open for development. So, you know, they'll look to us. Uh, and then from there, once they contact us, you know, it's really about telling them about our culture, what's important to us, what our values are, uh, I know we're selling some sandwiches here, but there's there's a there's a way to do it that we think fits with how guests want to be treated and and how our product you know how they receive our product. Yeah, and and one thing we touched on earlier too with the kind of the expansion not not just expansion but also with the menu and with the grills and everything else in the, in the restaurant. I mean, what is it that in this crowded food space, which can be so so competitive that has made has allowed cousins to survive and thrive over the years like what is it about cousin subs that allows it to continue on i think that one of the things we've always been able to be proud of is our product quality uh, we've maintained very good relationships with our supply suppliers and vendors um, the recipes for many of our subs are original recipes uh, with very little modification on that the bread is certainly the hallmark of our brand. Uh, it was important to my dad and Jim when they started the business to make sure that they uh, had the bread, that it was right, that it was how they remembered it being from Atlantic City and, you know, making sure that that continues to today. So I think that foundation of a strong product has carried the brand through uh, through the years that we've been in business, whether they're in a new restaurant, in a new market or in an old restaurant in an, in an existing market. Um, so that's the, that's kind of the, that's been the mainstay, but we also realize it needs to be more than that. Uh, and we need to make sure that we're staying on trend and that we're relevant. So what that meant was a huge part of what my leadership team and I did, you know, um, from about 2010 on was really making sure that we have a remodel program in place so that all stores are updated and have a consistent look that resonates with what we want the brand to say to consumers. Um, there's yeah. key components of that. So a remodeling program that is, I think, um, reasonable for the franchise community, but also uh, gets meets our goals. And then also then looking at um, 
just looking at the people that we have on board, right? Making sure we're constantly evaluating our teams and constantly, you know, are they in the right seat? Are, you know, should they be on the bus at all? You know, are they, are they, you know, are we, <laughs> are they the right folks to have that are going to grow us to the future? Yeah. And with that too, you mentioned the future. How do you kind of manage that short-term versus long-term thinking in your business? It's a, that's a great question because it's really easy to, to make decisions that will help your short term, uh, your your short term or your monthly income statement, right? I mean, you have things that you could do, such as, uh, you know, you know, back in the back in two thousand eight, two thousand ten, when the recession that recession was going on. It's been a long time now, but that kind of triggered all of the discounting that start you started seeing amongst like some of our competitors, certainly amongst in the pizza industry. And all of a sudden, like everybody was in a frenzy of discounting because you wanted to attract guests because, you know, the economy was tanking and and people were, you know, people were pinched for um, disposable income. Yeah. So you discount. And then, so that's, you know, that that's a great example of a short-term strategy. And we did that for a little bit. But then the concern was, well, what do we do? What does that say about our brand in the long term? What do people think about when we don't discount? How are we devaluing our brand? So we really started to step away from that discounting, um, at least that frenzied discounting strategy, and really made it a little bit more strategic, a little bit more focused on uh, giving our longtime and most loyal consumers uh, discounts and, and special perks along the way. And then really then helping to say like our brand, no matter the economy, we believe that you'll always get something that's worth the price you pay you know, anytime that you step into a restaurant. So that's more kind of taking that long-term view because you could do something in the short term to alleviate some short-term pain, but what is that long-term ramification? You know, that just comes with a lot of discussion. Uh, you're always, we're always keeping our brand values at our, at our core, keeping our, keeping what it is we want to say about our brand at our, at our core. And that helps guide our decisions, uh, you know, that, that have short and long-term impact. Yeah. And speaking to a short and long-term impact, obviously as the leader of the organization, uh, a lot of pressure on you as well. And you've, you've been in this business a while and seen kind of other leaders as well throughout this. I mean, what do you think are the keys to being an effective leader, especially with an organization of, you know, a hundred different potential stores? Like what are the keys to being an effective leader in the situation? I think one of the things is, and, and this has been, I've really had to learn, you know, that I shouldn't be the one doing all the talking. Uh, which means I need to do a lot of listening. I need to ask questions. I need to make sure that I understand, uh, not be reactive, you know, realize there's two sides to every story. Um, you know, I think that that is, that that's really important. You just have to, as a leader, take in information and help guide rather than just tell. The other things that I think is, I, I, that I found to be just really impactful is, know the business and be accessible. So for example, a big part of what I do now is I work in our restaurants, um, you know, as a cashier. So just like, for example, just yesterday, I was at our store in downtown Milwaukee on our Marquette campus and I was cashiering and it's such a great experience because it keeps me grounded, which yeah. is one of our values. And it really helps me to connect with the teams there. You know, uh, every store is unique because they're all in different neighborhoods. So they have unique challenges. And that really being accessible and present, I think helps 
people that are in the field, particularly if you have a if you have a fragmented business, like for us, you know, certainly it's we have a support center, but we have all of our different restaurants. So keeping yeah. people on the same page is challenging uh, because each store has its own culture. Well, if I'm out there, you know, accessible, people see me as a real person. I can talk about the business. I can talk to them and learn about them. That really builds credibility uh, so that when we do want to make changes or when things do happen, you know, they it's not just something coming from this like faceless uh, corporate talking head, right? There's <laughs> yes. actually like, no, like they know there's a real person and there's real people, you know, uh, making decisions that with the best of intentions. So. Yeah, and that reminds me actually of like Sam Walton going to all different Walmart stores, uh, especially early on. But I don't know if, how long he ended up doing that for. But just to check, walk the stores and see how they're doing, see how everything's going, uh, to be that presence, like you said, to put a face to it and not just be some some corporate entity somewhere else, uh, especially with the 100 different stores you have now. Uh, and what's what's kind of helped you uh, evolve as a leader? You mentioned some things that you, you know, are keys to an effective leader, but what's helped you over the years become a, a better leader? I really have tried to grow my emotional intelligence uh, and understand uh, communication styles and understand how people like to be communicated with. And there's certainly not a one size fits all approach. Uh, I try to understand my behavior and how I how I am in various situations and and just be very aware. Uh, and I've done that through, you know, here at my support center, we do uh, some behavioral testing uh, one tool that we use is the disc, uh, and that helps us just to have a better understanding of each other's communication style so that we can effectively communicate with people who are different than us, uh, you know, and, and that, that's been very effective. Another way that I've done that is um, I've just tried to grow my leadership skills through uh, sitting on boards. And while the majority of the boards that I've been on are for nonprofits or hospitals, um, in the healthcare, senior healthcare, things like that, they've been with uh, the, the leaders of those organizations are really dynamic and have been really successful in their field. And I learn something every time I'm at a board meeting I, as I observe the leadership of those entities. And I, and I think about how I can apply, you know, what is it about that person? Why do I like that person so much, right? Why is that person so effective? Yeah. Uh, and I think about their skills and how I can apply that to my business. So it's, I know boards, when people sit on boards, they're supposed to be giving to that organization, which is the, which happens. But at the same time, I know I've been able to get a lot out of the organizations where I, um, where, where I sit on their boards. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a great way to learn from other, yeah, other leaders. I mean, taking it in from other people around you. I mean, I noticed that too uh, at USC with other students, but also looking at professors and as well. You can learn so much from the different people that, yeah, are around you on a day to day basis, especially in that sort of situation as well. And right. with your with your business over the years too, what have been some of the the biggest challenges of just running and growing Cousin Subs? I would say the biggest challenges of of growing the biggest of growing the business has been uh, in terms of like finding franchise partners. Right um, again, this is a short term versus long term example as well. You know, you could we could grow the business much faster uh, hiring people that are single unit operators. Uh, you know, maybe they aren't one hundred percent right fit, but we can get that store count up, right? And we can say, well, we're growing. Here's all the new units that we're opening. Right. Um, that sometimes can be effective, but you know, 
that could have an impact on long-term strategy, right? So your long-term growth and, and that dovetails then into the, it's really about finding the right people who understand the business, who have the resources and understand what it is to run a restaurant. Uh, this isn't, you know, cousins. And I would suggest that most franchised restaurant concepts aren't a place to, aren't a business to get into if you're just looking for something to do or looking for a hobby or just <laughs> saying, you know, it seems like it could be fun, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. You can ask any of our operators. It's a lot of work. And then when that work is done in the actual restaurant, they're home doing the paperwork and all the back end work. So I think there is a lot of, um, you know, you have to be very real and understand what this business is. And people don't always do that because they get a little emotional and they get a little excited. And while that's not always bad, they have to have kind of logic has to rule the day and say, am I up for this? And or maybe it's somebody who has the resources, but they're like, I'm not running a restaurant, which is OK. But then they have to build the infrastructure to say, this is my team that's going to run this restaurant or build this business or build, run these restaurants. So uh, certainly, you know, we want what everybody else wants out there. Right. Well, yeah. capitalized people who know who have business experience, who know the markets that they're interested in. It's highly competitive. Uh, so for us, it's about making sure that we're finding those those right people. And that's a long-term uh, strategy versus short-term. So that means slower growth, but it means growth with the right partners. Yeah, which is so important. And we partnerships are, are everything. That's another thing we discussed. Uh, another class in mind too, with just looking at what, who can be a strategic partner in your business that can help you excel and take you to kind of that next level. And there are many more than just one partner necessarily, but especially for the mm -hmm. long-term future, it's such an important thing. And and with all you're working on, Christine, I mean, how do you manage your time, optimize your, your schedule day to day? Well, I still manage my schedule personally. Um, you know, I, I've had a hard time letting go and having having an assistant manage it. So um, <laughs> I, I, I live and die by my calendar. So yes. my calendar, it, it rules the day. If it's on the calendar, it's happening. If it's not on the calendar, I don't even know. I'm not even aware of it. So, um, you know, and that, that goes for home and my family and that, you know, and certainly here at work. So that just helps me, um, that helps me to just kind of keep my days moving along. I am always careful uh, to make sure that I build in enough margin. That was something <laughs> that I learned, right? We, we work, people work, you know, and then they, they think, oh, well, I can be across town. It'll take 10 minutes, but it's really 25 minutes, right? Yeah. So you know, <laughs> you, I have to make sure that I'm always realistic about my schedule. In, and that has been a hard thing to do. So sometimes I'll pull back or just allow myself a little bit more time, which makes everything just more pleasant, right? I'm not rushing around. So, but it's, it's really about scheduling and being smart and then making sure that the things that are important to me as a CEO, which is getting out to visit franchisees, meeting out, meeting with our uh, store employees, connecting one-on-one -on -one here with my team here in the office. Those things are very important to me. Uh, thinking about larger ways to grow the business, making sure those things, if I were to look at my calendar, you will be able to understand, or if you were to look at my calendar, you would know what's important to me and that you would see those things in my calendar. So trying not to fill it with things that aren't as important. So it's about prioritizing and then making sure that those things have a space in my calendar. 
Yeah. And one thing I'm always wondering about too, with people, especially uh, CEOs, entrepreneurs that I'm interviewing are with that too, how do you decide when to stop working for the day? How is your day structured in that capacity? Is it a certain time that, but you're available for like calls, emails, do you work on weekends? I'm, I'm always curious about that. Yeah, I'm always available. Uh, now, since I've been only the CEO as of the beginning of this year, uh, my schedule is much more flexible just because my president manages really the day to day and manages more people and things like that. So for me, work and home and family, it all just blends together, right? There's nothing that really is, there's nothing that really defines it per se. I'm available if needed, you know, uh, to talk to or to whatever email or whatever it may be. Um, but I, but, and, and I think, and then in addition to that, really with a family business, it's not, um, you don't really ever turn it off, right? I mean, you're always, you're always thinking about it. You know, um, my dad is still with us and he, it, while he's retired, he'll still come into the office or if he comes over, you know, to visit my kids, you know, we're talking business, right? You always, you're always talking about that. My husband is our director of franchise sales. So that's great because, it's not as though we talk about work all the time at home, but when we do talk about work, we we are on the same page because he has yeah. a real understanding of what's happening at, in the workplace. And he offers a lot of insight uh, and perspective that I might not have uh, because it's from his development perspective. So so I would say we really don't, I don't really turn it off. At the same time, I, you know, I have a balanced schedule. Um, and a lot of that is because I have, I put people in place that manage, you know, so much of the details and that are, are doing that so that I can get out in public, that I can be a mom, that I, you know, that I can do things that, that help me, you know, uh, live what is important to me. Yeah. And kind of going further with that too. I mean, what are some of the things you do to recharge to make sure you're the best at work? A couple things that I do. I mean, I don't, you know, I'd love to tell you that I sit around and read a book, which, you know, rarely <laughs> happens because, you know, my husband and I, we have two boys, four and six, and they're, they're busy and they're active. Uh, so there's not a lot of lounging time, but what I do try to do is exercise, um, anything from walking to running to strength training. I do that, try to do that six days a week. Uh, you know, and, and that has been, and that's great. I mean, even regardless of the weather, when it's chilly outside, you know, uh, it's great just to get out there and breathe fresh air and walk and just be out there. And it, that I find that that really recharges me and makes me a better, just helps me to live my best life and be a better person and uh, have a little <laughs> bit of patience. Um, yeah. I also, I also love, I, I love to be in the kitchen uh, and to cook and, you know, or to bake. And I'm not an original uh recipe builder. I mean, I work off of recipes or things out of cookbooks that are great, but, um, uh, but I just find it really relaxing and just enjoyable. And I, and I, while my husband cooks during the week, I do, I do more of the cooking on the weekends and my kids love it. They get involved. So I, I think that's just, it's just fun to spend time with my family in that way. Yeah. And then everyone has their own, their own way of kind of recharging. And that's why I love asking the question because, you know, it's anything from exercise to being, being outside actually has been mentioned by a lot of different entrepreneurs and CEOs, um, meditation, you know, there's so many different things that, that can be helpful. I think everyone needs to find out what that is for them, uh, regardless of what job they have, career they have. Uh, so you can be your best at work, but also just live the life you want to be living. <laughs> I think that's right. important as well. 
And then looking back at your career so far, uh, you know, is there any like lesson or two that you'd say has been kind of the biggest lesson you've learned so far? Yeah, I would say that, you know, aside from, and people say this a lot, but it's true, is uh, hiring the best people and surrounding yourself with the best people, people that are smarter than you and people that fill your weaknesses, uh, compensate for those things. The other thing I would say is that, you know, things just don't happen by accident and things just don't happen because you wish that they would happen. Uh, I think that you really need to be intentional about how you approach your business. And, and I've learned that, you know, it's like, gosh, why, you know, why are, why don't our stores, you know, remodel or why, you know, why don't we do something? It's like, well, you have to put a plan in place. You have to really be intentional about what it is you want as the outcome. Cause if you're not running the business, if you're not looking at kind of the end game, if you're not intentional about it, the business is going to run you or, you know, various employees are going to run you or franchisees are going to run you. And, and that's not, that's not what is in the best interest of the brand. So um, I just have really thought about that. It's just, you can't just hope and wish for good things to happen. If you want them to happen, make them happen. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's so, so important. So important. I'm looking right now at the list of uh, things on my wall of this, uh, this whiteboard like paper I have of the different, those exact things of things you I want to have happen. And it's because right. of that and putting a plan in place that they do, they don't happen by accident, which is so great. Um, and then is there any other advice you'd mentioned to, to either current business owners or aspiring business owners, anything else you'd mentioned to them as well? Yeah, I guess I would just say that, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day and people have lives outside of their work and you're trying to balance it all in. So I would just say that it's really important to step back, you know, take a few moments and prioritize what is most important. So if you're a new business startup, if you're an operator, if you're, uh, you know, what if you want to get into business or you've been in the business any, at any time during that cycle, I think it's really important to prioritize what's most important. What do you want to get done? Realizing again, there's just 24 hours in a day and then set about to accomplish those biggest things that will move your business forward, that will help you uh, grow or achieve whatever the goal is that you have in mind. And then, and then continue to work down that list, right? Because it's overwhelming to look at a list. If it's on a whiteboard, if it's in your on your notes in your phone, or if it's on a piece of paper, you could have 30 things on there and be instantly overwhelmed. I know I would be. So then it's like, all right, <laughs> yes. what can I control? What can I do? What's most important? And then start with those things and move forward. Yeah. And then one more, one more thing related to Cousin Subs I want to ask is, I mean, what is kind of that big grand vision for the company? What would you, what would be the optimal scenario in the end game for you? Yeah. The big grand vision really is just to continue to grow and grow uh, with um, intention and grow with the right strategy, with the right people. So we'll continue to uh, corporately, uh, we'll continue to look at opportunities to expand the number of corporate stores that we have as some franchisees are deciding to retire and leave the business. Uh, it's not a, it's not a, like a wicked corporate takeover. It's more just as people are moving on with their lives, it could pose opportunities for us corporately, but that franchise component and that investor component in new markets is also really critical. Now, whether we partner with people corporately and franchising and go to new markets, that could be as well. But we believe there's a lot of green space for cousins to grow in markets that are 
somewhat contiguous to to where our home base is here in Wisconsin and continue to grow and bring the product to more and more people. They People, when they try our product, they really enjoy it. They love the flavors. They love our menu. So how can we continue to expand on that? Yes. And then I would, I would say then too with that is really continued community engagement. You know, we have a foundation. We're dedicated to, you know, hunger youth education, health and wellness. Those are kind of our three pillars. And we've done a lot over the years to be engaged with our community in large ways and small ways. And I, that would be really part and parcel as we continue to grow into new markets. Yeah. And, and where can people then uh, connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, learn more about Cousin Subs? Well, I would say it's all things social, right? All things digital. So uh-huh. I would, you, know, you could certainly visit our website at cousinsubs.com. And yes, there's four S's in cousinsubs.com. <laughs> and uh, certainly you can follow us on all social media, right? LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We keep a really active uh, profile going. Uh, there's always new things happening. Uh, we love to talk about things that are going on, whether it's at an individual restaurant or you know with us corporately. And so- people can certainly connect and, and we're a very accessible company. So we will respond to you. We will, uh, we want to make it right if you didn't have a great experience and we appreciate hearing the good stuff too. Yeah. And for all those other fellow MBAs of mine and everyone else looking at franchises, potentially another one to consider in the, as well as cousin subs. And thank you so much for coming on today, Christina. I really appreciate it. Hey, Justin, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you justgrowgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.